The Orthodox Journey, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society. In this week's podcast, we reflect on the weekly gospel reading and bring you our Saint of the Week. And as always, we have our Orthodox Spiritual Reflection. This is The Orthodox Journey. The Holy Gospel. The Gospel reading for the fifth Sunday of Matthew is from Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, through to chapter 9, verse 1. It tells the story of Christ's visit to the country of the Gergesenes and his encounter with two demon-possessed men. According to the Gospel reading, the two demoniacs came out of the tombs and were exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. The passage then recounts the dialogue between Christ and the two possessed men, before describing in detail how Christ freed them. At the request of the demons, they are expelled out of the men and enter a herd of swine, pigs. The pigs run violently down a steep place over a cliff and perish in the sea. The passage then concludes with the response of the people of the city of Gergesene to this event. They beg Christ to depart from their region. Christ then enters a boat and returns to his own city, Out of the many messages which might be drawn from this passage, I wish to focus on three. First, Christ's power over Satan and his demons. Second, we all have the capability within us to become like the Gergesene pigs when we allow our passions to take total control of our lives. And third, the thoroughly horrifying outcome that might befall us when we persist in following the path of sin. We can actually end up doing what the Gergesene people did, that is, to totally reject Christ, the only person who can heal us. As Orthodox Christians, we are called to take part in an intense, unseen spiritual warfare against the powers of darkness that attempt to rule us through the sin that exists within us and through the influences of the world. This spiritual warfare is very real. Our enemy is in this battle, Satan and his demons, are not just an imaginary presence. 
This is confirmed by the Gospel passage. The two men who Christ encountered came under the power of the demons to the extent of being totally and physically possessed by them. Nevertheless, the passage underscores the fact that while our spiritual enemies might exercise a certain level of power in this warfare against us, it is Christ who is all-powerful. The demons who had taken possession of the two men both recognised Christ as the Son of God and stood in fear of him. They were afraid that in casting them out of the two men, Christ would punish them before the time of the last judgment. It was they who actually begged Christ to allow them to go into the herd of pigs. Christ accepts their plea and allows the demons to enter the herd of pigs. The first message, therefore, is that in our spiritual warfare, Christ is the ultimate all-powerful victor. If we cling to him and establish a close personal relationship with him and his church, there is nothing that we need to fear from our spiritual adversaries. The second message concerns the example of the Gergesene pigs. The Gergesene people were herding pigs contrary to the law of Moses. Pigs were considered unclean animals under the law and Jews were forbidden to eat pork. Yet, despite the illegality of the enterprise, the Gergesenes were herding pigs with a view to profit from selling the pork. By sending the demons into the pigs and causing them to run over the cliff, Christ was clearly punishing the Gergesenes for transgressing the law of Moses. The fate of the pigs is a clear warning of what might befall us when we follow the path of deliberately and purposefully disobeying Christ, who is the fulfilment of the law of Moses. In a spiritual sense, and just like the parable of the prodigal son, when we allow our passions to rule us, we are capable of stooping to the level of pigs, which are animals that enjoy wallowing in mud and filth. Even worse, the Gergesenes had a whole herd of pigs, and we too can become part of such a herd. Together with other fellow travellers along this path, we are capable of developing a pig herd-like mentality that revolves around sin, our passions and general spiritual filth. In our modern world, there would appear to be no shortage of swine herders who are very willing to encourage us, and especially the youth amongst us, along this path which ultimately leads to spiritual destruction. The third and final message highlights the power of Christ who can deliver us from such an end. It is Christ who can free us from our sins and passions and lift us up out of our spiritual mud. It is he who can heal us from our spiritual illnesses and restore us to our true destiny. 
to become children of God, direct relations of Christ, partakers of divine grace. Christ will never impede the exercise of our free will. We need to make a choice. Do we wholeheartedly embrace Christ or do we totally reject him, just like the Gergesenes did? There is no in-between. Are we prepared to let go of the worldly things that ensnare and tie us down to this temporal life and become like eagles to fly high into the light and into the clean air? It is up to each and every one of us to decide. The Saints of the Week On the 25th of July, 1924, St. Baisius was born in the town of Farasa, Cappadocia. The village priest was St. Arsenios the Cappadocian, who baptized the saint with his own name, Arsenios. During the time when he was born, the population exchange between Greece and Turkey occurred, and Arsenios' family was forced to settle in Gwanitsa. His childhood was marked by a devout and unwavering faith and simplicity. As a young man, Arsenios completed his obligation to his country in the army, where he fought but prayed that he would never have to use his gun, a prayer which was answered by God. He would often put himself in quite dangerous positions in order to save his countrymen. Arsenios received his discharge in 1949, and the following year went to Mount Athos. After being tonsured a monk with the name Paisios after the great desert father and ascetic, and spending eight years on the holy mountain, Baisius was sent back to Gonita to support the faithful against the proselytism of evangelical Protestants. He greatly encouraged the faithful there. In 1962, he visited Sinai where he stayed for two years. During this time, he became beloved of the native Bedouin population who had great respect for the monastics of the region and who benefited both spiritually as well as materially from St. Paisios' presence. In 1966, he was hospitalized in Thessaloniki, and it was here that his long friendship with the Sisterhood of St. John the Theologian 
in Suroti, just outside of Thessaloniki, began. The sisterhood grew greatly under the saint's guidance and is now one of the largest female monasteries in Greece. In 1968, having returned to Mount Athos, he stayed at the holy monastery of Stavronikita, helping with its spiritual rejuvenation. During his years there, he was invited to come to Australia by the late Archbishop Stylianos, who had often visited Stavronikita and had come to know the great gifts that St. Paisios possessed. During his stay in Australia, he visited and spiritually administered to many churches in Sydney and Canberra. This visit was also the beginning of a long-lasting and spiritually significant relationship between St. Paisios and Badanasa Monastery, to whom he sent several relics of saints, including St. Arsenios of Cappadocia, St. Ephemia and St. Theodore the Studite. After 11 years at Stavronikita, St. Paisios moved on to his final home in the Holy Mountain, the Hermitage of Panaguda. This humblest of abodes was where the saint grew in fame for his spiritual gifts and miraculous intercessions. He received people all day long, dedicating the night to God in prayer, vigil and spiritual struggle. His regime of prayer and asceticism and the austerity of his life made him prone to sickness. In addition to respiratory problems, in his later days he suffered from a serious hernia that made life very painful. In spite of his many ailments, he prayed for more sickness that he might receive the grace that the martyrs did when they suffered for Christ. He was eventually forced to leave the holy mountain due to his illnesses and would receive pilgrims for hours at the monastery in Suroti. The physical effort which this entailed in his weakened state caused him such pain that he would turn pale. However, he would say that God is greatly touched when someone who is in great suffering does not complain, but rather uses his energy to pray for others. St. Paisios had a great love for St. Isaac the Syrian and would read his ascetical homilies beneath the icon of the saint and would say of St. Isaac, if anyone went to a psychiatric hospital and read to the patient St. Isaac, all those who believed in God would get well because they would recognize the deeper meaning of life. He advised young monks to first read the Yeronikon, the Philotheos History and the Evergetinos. All these books are practical, not theoretical. Their simple patristic spirit and holiness will help you remove a secular logic from your mind. Next, you should read St. Isaac, and there you will see not a philosopher, but a man illumined by God. During a time in which the church was plagued by certain issues, St. Paisios constantly prayed to God to give solutions to the church's problems. He prayed especially to St. Ephemia, who interceded for the dogmatic truth of the church in the Council of Chalcedon. St. Paisios would say, St. Ephemia, you who miraculously solved the serious problem the church was facing then, take the church out of the present impasse. One morning at nine o'clock, when St. Paisios was reading the service of the third hour, he suddenly heard someone discreetly knocking at his door. The elder asked from inside, Who is it? Then he heard a woman's voice answering, It is me, Ephemia, father. Which Ephemia? he asked. There was no answer. There was another knock on the door, and he asked again, Who is it? The same voice was heard saying, It is me, Ephemia, father. There was a third knock, and the elder felt someone coming inside his cell and walking through the corridor. 
He went to the door, and there he saw Saint Ephemia, who had miraculously entered his cell through the locked door. She venerated the icon of the Holy Trinity, which the elder had placed on the wall of his corridor, on the right-hand side of the church's door. Then the elder told the saint, Say glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Saint Ephemia clearly repeated those words, and immediately Saint Paisius knelt and venerated the saint. Afterwards they sat and talked for quite a while. He could not specify for how long, as he had lost all sense of time while being with Saint Ephemia. She gave the solution for all three matters he had been praying for, and in the end he said to her, I would like you to tell me how you endured your martyrdom. The saint replied, Father, if I knew back then how eternal life would be, and the heavenly beauty the souls enjoyed by being next to God, I honestly would have asked for my martyrdom to last forever, as it was absolutely nothing compared to the gifts of the grace of God. On July 11th, 1994, the feast day of Saint Ephemia, Saint Paisios received Holy Communion for the last time and reposed in the Lord the following day. His Apolitikion, a testament to his monastic virtue, goes, Having accepted the fire of divine love, you offered yourself fully to God with extreme auspicious, and having become a comfort to many people, instructing with divine words, working miracles through prayer, God-bearing Paisios, you now also ceaselessly entreat on behalf of the whole world, O Holy One, Amen. Orthodox Spiritual Reflections In the Bible, Christ speaks of a parable where a man calls people to work in his vineyard. While some join from the early parts of the day, others are called even as late as the eleventh hour. Because the Master is loving and gracious, all receive equal reward. 
Many of us have been blessed to be called to be a member of the Orthodox Church from birth. Others are called at various stages of their lives, according to God's loving will. By embracing the Orthodox faith, at whatever hour, converts are able to fully participate in the life of the faith, enjoying the fruits of the Father's plentiful harvest. But what urges people to embrace the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith? Well, there can be many different reasons. Understanding these reasons can help us to inspire, encourage and guide others to embrace the treasures of our Orthodox truth. If we are to look at the usual makeup of the churches in the Greek Orthodox Church in Australia, we will find that most worshippers were born into the faith. Converts are a small minority. However, this is not the case everywhere. There are Orthodox missions in Africa, Asia and the United States which are converting many people. So what draws people to Orthodox Christianity? We can answer this by looking at the experiences of converts. Reading their books and listening to their personal stories reveals common themes, similar issues that brought them to orthodoxy. On the whole, many converts grew up in Protestant or other Christian denominations. They were concerned that their church may not believe and worship in the same way that the early church did. They then went on a mission to find out whether there was anything left of the early church today. They discovered the Orthodox Church, a church which is unchanged since apostolic times. But these stories are not meant to make us complacent nor boastful. After all, all missionary work is a response to Jesus' commandment to make disciples of all the nations. It is a serious and essential part of church life. Church without mission is lifeless. And perhaps we have not done enough in proclaiming the message of the scriptures to the nations. Upon the arrival of His Eminence Archbishop Magarios in Australia, he has emphasised that it is time for our Orthodox Church to provide a witness of Christianity to the Australian society. Ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit who draws people to the faith. It is important for the church and for each of its members to receive converts with love, to guide and support them. Then, through our own spiritual struggles and genuine life in Christ, we will be able to inspire others as well, allowing them to discover and experience the great treasures of the Orthodox Church. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Orthodox Journey. To keep up to date with our podcast series, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For more Orthodox talks, sermons and podcasts, be sure to visit orthodoxjourney.com.